Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. I've got an incredible show for you today, my friend. I got to sit down in person and have a chat with Arling Kaga, who is a man of many firsts. He is a legendary explorer and adventurer. Back in 1990, he reached the North Pole without support as part of a two-man team. They were the very first people to do that. Then in 92-93, he did a solo unsupported expedition to the South Pole. He was the first person to ever do that. 50 days walking alone across Antarctica. Can you imagine that? No contact with anybody. And that's one of the topics that we cover in this wide-ranging interview. We talk about silence. I mean, he spent 50 days in silence, no radio contact, by himself, walking across Antarctica. Imagine that. Put yourself there. It's an incredible physical feat, of course, but also mentally. What's it like to be in silence for that long? I couldn't wait to talk about his book, Silence in the Age of Noise, and why silence is such an important part of our lives as humans and we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff in this interview you know he also climbed mount everest by the way in 94 which made him the first person to complete what's called the three poles challenge on foot and back in 2010 he did a five-day long walk through the sewers of new york (laughs) to the atlantic ocean in 2012 he walked the entire length of LA's Sunset Boulevard. He's a walker. I'm a walker too. I love to walk. So we do talk about walking. We talk about silence, travel, of course, and so much more. Let's get into it. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. You heard my enthusiasm at the top of the show. I mean, I get to sit down with a legendary, iconic explorer and adventurer. I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be able to have conversations with incredible people like Arling Kaga, but through this podcast and thanks to you in this community for listening, keeping this show going for the last seven plus years. I get to have these conversations. I'm so fortunate and I'm so excited to bring you this one. And you've heard about 
Arling's accomplishments. And I thought, you know, he's written this book called Silence in the Age of Noise. It is a very noisy world right now, as you know, and I do think silence is one of the most undervalued and underappreciated, I don't want to say things we can do as humans, give ourselves silence. You know, we're always busy, a lot of us. We're consuming a lot. We can listen to audiobooks and podcasts and read, and there's so much information out there, so much knowledge, and it's so exciting to learn and to take in knowledge. But there is a lot of wisdom to be gained from silence as well. And if you're like me, sometimes it's a struggle to not only find silence, but then to give yourself that gift, right? Sometimes I go on a long walk and I'm thinking, oh, this would be a great place to just have some silence and cruise around. And I've been doing that lately, but sometimes I've just, it's nice to listen to a podcast or listen to some music you love. And it may be harder to choose silence over, let's say, entertainment or education or information or whatever, but I've never regretted that choice when I choose to walk in silence and be alone with my thoughts. I get more breakthroughs, ideas, things kind of come out of nowhere. It's a magical thing. So there's a challenge I issue to you at the end of this podcast. You can stick around for that. You're also going to hear my one of my favorite Norwegian words. And of course, we talk about silence and walking and travel and adventure and all this fun stuff. I did sit down in person with Arling. This was pre-COVID. I've been sitting on this interview for a while and I just needed to get it out there and I couldn't wait to bring it to you. So please enjoy my conversation with Arling Kaga and I will see you on the other side, my friend. I have the honor of sitting here with one of the world's most accomplished explorers here in his office in Oslo. It's a publishing company, Kaga Forlag, and we're surrounded by books. And I said, uh, when I came in, this is like I had died and gone to heaven or something because I love to read. <laughs> we're going to talk about one of his books today and a lot more. I'm sitting here with Arling Kaga. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. <laughs> Honored to have you here. So everybody just heard about some of the incredible expeditions you've done. And I'm wondering, just on the spectrum of adventures, where parenting ranks for you? <laughs> uh, um, I think, you know, it's... Uh, it's um, you have the North Pole, the South Pole, and then the Brits came up with a kind of expression, a third pole, because, you know, obviously they didn't get to the North Pole, South Pole first. So yeah. they ended up the third pole ever. <laughs> Is that how it went down? Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I think that's the story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to try to crack a joke, like to become a father is the fourth pole. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> by far the easiest, the more, most pleasurable to achieve, but also the most demanding afterwards that's for sure <laughs> yeah because <laughs> you, you know, have three daughters right yeah. and you know an expedition kind of you know it starts maybe a year or two before you um actually go on the venture uh, you know with preparations and you are away for a month or four yeah or a year maybe if it's a sailing trip and then you get back home and you do some work afterwards and then it's finished yeah, but with the daughters, I'm sure with sons too. But I haven't tried. It's kind of an ongoing venture. How old are they? Today they are 17, 20, and twenty three. Okay. So I mean, I'm very happy yeah. by you know the way they're living. But yeah. you know, as a parent, you're always a little bit worried. 
So you're entering a new phase in your life, kind of the empty nest, as we say, in the States where the, the kids are leaving and all of a sudden it's... Yes, I'm kind of surprised that I miss my daughters as much as I do. Yeah. Um, nobody's leaving home now. The, the youngest one is moving back home um, this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think it's kind of strange to be alone in a house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd imagine. Do you have any advice for me? Because you know, I got two little ones. I'm on the other end of it. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know all I can say is you have some entertaining, tough and ch- challenging and loving years ahead. Were they around, or some of them around, when you were doing some of these expeditions to the poles? Not the poles, no. But, no. Uh, you know, I, I kept on doing lots of outdoors. Yeah. So, um, and they seem to love outdoors too, which is, you know, very satisfying for me because I think, you know, it's this huge misunderstanding today that you almost only ha- have to relate to man-made environments. That's, of course, super naive. Um, Mother Earth is 4.5 billion years old. So the whole idea that you're not going to spend time in nature and listening to Mother Earth is um, very naive. So, you know, I really hope my daughters will develop, you know, a close relationship to nature. Maybe not as close as me or, you know, maybe even closer, but still, you know, just... Be aware that, you know, if you're going to explore the world, explore yourself, it's not sufficient to look onto a screen. Yeah, it does tap into something else when you're in nature, I think. And uh, unfortunately, there's some people that they just grow up, they don't ever have the opportunity to say somebody growing up in New York City or something and their parents just never take them out to experience yeah, nature. Yeah, but, you know, we always use U.S. as a bad example. But, you know, if you look to England, for instance, um, as I write about in my book, Walking, of kids in UK are not doing outdoors at all. Yeah. They're inside almost all the time. They're inside during the, you know, in during school time and then they, you know, get home and they're inside all, you know, afternoon, evening and in the weekends. Yeah. Ask the parents, say they understand it's not a good idea, but somehow they don't do anything about it. So, you know, you think about, you know, in society who's spending the least time doing outdoors and at least I was thinking that would be prisoners but most prisoners are will be out for one hour every day right and then you wow. have all these kids that are either not outside at all or less than an hour yeah it's one of the things I love about living in Norway is the value that Norwegians place on on nature you know taking my kids to the Barnhaga which is the daycare I don't know how it is in the States because I haven't had that experience, but they, they go out in all kinds of weather, right? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's uh, quite Norwegian, actually. Yeah. Uh, this whole idea that uh, in kindergarten that kids spend so much time doing outdoors. And also, as I say, if it's raining or if it's snowing, they also, you know, they still have to do, you know, outdoors. Yeah. And most parents, you know, find it's kind of a routine to send them with, you know, the clothes you need to do be outside most of the day even when it's raining and snowing yeah and i think that's you know that's 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 a really good side of norway yeah but when you look at adults you know in Nor- in norway too they you know they to a great extent live their lives through screens yeah we're going to talk a, a bit about that and your book silence in the age of noise which i read and i said um i got to 
Arling's right in town. I got to go sit down and talk <laughs> to him about this. I know it sounds counterintuitive to talk about silence, but that's, uh, you know, this is a podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> on the parenting side, just one more question around that. When you started having children, I know like for me personally, I sort of became more cautious with my travels. I, I kind of started thinking about the risks I took a little differently. And I'm just curious because you've done some extreme things, obviously. And I'm wondering if uh, that was uh, at all the same experience for you. Um, one way, yes, because I think as a parent, obviously you have a huge responsibility yeah. also to try to stay alive. But having said that, you know, it's, you're also going to be a role model for your kids. And some of you need to follow your own path to f- try to fulfill some of your own potentials. So I wouldn't criticize people, you know, going on kind of extreme expeditions, although they have kids at home. Yeah. But in general, yes, of course, you know, at least for me, until I got kids, I felt like the most important human being on earth. And then, you know, it's really, really health to become a father. And I'm sure it's also a mother because then you understand you're not the most important person on in the world yeah and you know obviously kids are more important than you and also many other things so uh for me that was an important lesson and of Mm. course that's also kind of influence your priorities and your choices in life yeah Mm. there is a line right like you kind of mentioned it's you still want to live true to yourself because that inspires them in a way you know the actions speak louder than words kind of thing I said earlier, we were joking, I wasn't going to make you sit through all your accomplishments here in a long introduction, <laughs> but you know what you've done and, and everybody listening does because I, I, I went through them. But when you hear somebody read off the things that you've done, like what, what kind of images or memories or things come into your head? I don't think too much about what that um, has been yeah. in general. For many years, I hardly spoke about my expeditions at all because I was so fed up. People tend to ask you, you know, is it very cold at the North Pole? (laughs) Uh, That kind of questions, which, you know, know, but I'm not laughing because I think it's kind of, you know, I'm also very happy people are interested. Right, that's true. Uh, Learning about the world. But of course, when you have the same questions many, many, many times for a long period, it's, you get, you know, fed up. Yeah, for sure. But today, I changed my attitude, actually. um, I'm thinking back on those years and somehow they're still going on you know I'm very happy about what I did and I'm also proud of what you know what I did so um, yeah but you know in daily life um, I have a busy job Uh, we talked about family Um, I'm writing books I'm very much into contemporary art so I don't have that much you know time or energy and to think about what has been yeah how much has your relationship to travel changed, just travel in general? Was that always something you were interested in or was it just a byproduct of having to go on these expeditions so you needed to travel? I always like to, you know, uh, move. I think, you know, we all, you know, we were born, we're always, you know, every kid is wondering what's hidden beyond the horizon. Right. And I think every kid would like to have more space around herself or himself. So I think that's how we're born. And of course, you know, it's also in our language that, you know, when we move, we're being moved and emotion, emotion. So we have the same in uh, Norwegian and you have the same in uh, Sanskrit. So this is something deep among humans that, Mm. you know, somehow we need to, we need to move and we need to explore. Yeah. Mm. 
do you still still feel the need to move having uh, absolutely been, yeah absolutely like when was your last trip do you still travel extensively in that way oh, or is it a bit different I wouldn't extensively but you know um, although it's hard to f- see any snow in Oslo you know just now in this winter yeah this I've, winter's been crazy huh I, f- I found some snow yesterday you did <laughs> whereabouts can you tell <laughs> me cross country in Mulla and uh, you know the northern side of uh, Nordmarka okay and cross country skied for a few hours nice fantastic this morning I walked to the office beautiful some of the secrets to have a good life is to keep your pleasure simple. Right. And um, obviously, I didn't come up with that ad- advice. It's um, advice that has been, you know, going on for a few thousand years. I think, you know, any advice that lasted for more than 1,000 years, we should take seriously. Mm. Yeah, that's good <laughs> advice. Traveling around and then, like you said, just enjoying the simple pleasures, not being on the move as much and understanding for me that, wow, maybe, you know, traveling like how much what percentage of it is more of a mindset of like hey i'm walking to the office today i'm i'm on like a little adventure now you know just enjoying the present moment you can almost get that same feeling that you have when you're kind of moving in a, in, a, in a new place if you're in the right mindset yeah, yeah, for absolutely me. i think you know it's very much come down to yourself i think some of the biggest mysteries you know you know in the world will will always be in your own backyard yeah so uh but of course you know that's very old story that you know people traveling sailing the oceans climbing the mountains walking far cross-country skiing far away and eventually when you return back home you find some of the answers to the questions you asked yourself yeah before you started on the adventure that's you know I think that's quite often how great stories end. <laughs> I always like the saying, wherever you go, there you are. Yeah, exactly. You know? And you know, <laughs> it's a paradise is where I am, as Milton wrote. And I think that's a very good kind of, you know, idea that paradise is not ahead of you or nor in the past, but, you know, somehow paradise is where you are or can be where you are. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. What do you like about walking? I love to walk. It's easy to forget, but you know some of the greatest pleasures in life are for free. The bo- most important things in life don't have any lasting forms, and I think walking is a good example uh, to show that you know it's it's you can do it for free, and it doesn't have a lasting form. It's beautiful. It's uh, great for your mind. It's also good, great for your body, and it's even good for the environment. It's also like a time machine in the sense that when you walk, you're extending time. 
and in the sense that if you drive if you have a high speed somehow you're narrowing in time uh, you're not experiencing anything uh, you hardly see anything you don't smell anything you don't hear anything while when you walk uh, the world is opening up you're extending the time walking is a time machine <laughs> maybe i was not that clear on this so it's kind of like this morning when i as i write about in walking you know it's i had to make a choice i can drive to the city it will take me maybe in my case 12 13 14 minutes depend depending on traffic and traffic lights and I can take the metro, which will take me maybe 16, 17, 18 minutes. Yeah. Or I can walk, uh, which takes me 32, 35 minutes. And then it's easy to think that I will save time by driving. Yeah. Uh, and of course, that's mathematically is correct. Uh, but life is not about mathematics. Because when I walk, I actually, you know... I see many people, it's great for people watching. I uh, see buildings, I feel the weather. It, this morning it was raining a little bit, it's refreshing. I'm also kind of slowly moving from my home to my office, kind of changing the attitude. I'm not stressed at all. Yeah. So in that sense, you know, life feels so much longer when yeah. you sometimes move slower. So in that sense also like, when you move slow, uh, life feels long. And when you move very quickly all the time, and doing the same things, you know, from day to day, life feels short. Hmm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, if you're uh, always in a hurry, you're to get from point A to B, you're not paying attention to the to the middle part, right? <laughs> exactly. And you know, and 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 then life feels short, but also it's a huge bit of understanding that, like you know, everybody says today. I'm so busy. I'm stressed. I'm busy. Uh, I'm not able to do everything I'm supposed to do. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that's mostly, not fully, but mostly, I think, at least a great part based upon a misunderstanding. Because, just an example, uh, people, young people today will spend around four hours every day uh, doing social media. And, average age in Norway today is like 84 years or something. And that means that you will spend 13 years of your life, day and night, on social media. And, you know, so no wonder... 13 years. 13 years, yeah. So at least, you know, 84 years in the four hours a day. Um, so it, it's, you know, which again means that, you know, it's no wonder you feel busy. Yeah. And uh, no wonder you feel life is short because you're wasting your time. Do you consider yourself spiritual in some way? Are some of these attitudes spiritually influenced from something or philosophically uh, yeah, I influenced? Think, uh, yeah, philosophically for sure. I'm not a philosopher, but I write philosophical about, as you said, about silence and walking. And, and it also certainly has a spiritual side. I think walking has, you know, it's very meditative. And silence, of course, have because um, in the great religions, at least some of them, you know, um, you will meet God in silence. God doesn't come with thunder or heavy storms and floods. God appears in silence. And if you don't believe in God, you know, at least you will meet yourself in silence. And that's, of course, one of the reasons people avoid silence most of the time because... 
it is a bit difficult. Noise is about living through your devices and living through other people, while silence is about getting to know yourself. And that, you know, to me has a spiritual side. I mean, it's a good time to kind of talk about your book, Silence in the Age of Noise, which I loved. I mean, I think you're the perfect person to talk to about this because I don't know anybody, or I'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who spent, was it 50 or 55 days? 50 days and nights. 50 days and nights when you did your South Pole expedition, no no talking, didn't, you weren't in communication with anybody. No. I don't think I've gone uh, maybe half a day with not hearing somebody or myself talk. (laughs) I've never been to a silent retreat or anything, but I'm I'm interested in that. This is a very unique perspective that you, you I don't I don't know how many people in the world you can find to talk to about about this uh, that has had that experience for that length of time. You know what do you hear when you hear silence? I I, I talk to my kids when they were kids or teenagers. Yeah. Um, about silence and try to tried you know to kind of explain this to them and they said you know silence is nothing and of course that idea is something like also philosophers like you know i think most philosophers hardly any philosophers have written about silence at least Mm -hmm. not west sorry western philosophers have written about silence and because you know they think silence is nothing and of course first year when you study philosophy you learn Nothing comes from nothing. But, you know, that's another misunderstanding because silence is something. Venture into silence, you know, silence starts to speak to you. Um, not with words, but, you know, it's like when you're up to nature, uh, which is my experience. I'm sure you can have it other places too, but my experience is that when you're up to nature, even if you don't, you know, you don't have to be like me out there for days and weeks and, and months by yourself, but only for a few hours uh, without holding a device in your hands. And then, you know, you slowly start to communicate with the environment, with the silence. You're sending some ideas out to get all the thoughts back again. Uh, and it's not kind of, you know, a dialogue with words. It's more like experiencing and uh, emotions ideas the silence will tell you the truth about the world and about yourself did you feel a difference in your energetic body or something like having gone so many days in silence uh or your connection with nature or something like was there some experience along that way that you've not been able to replicate since then because it was so many days or yeah but not replicate fully but you know somehow you can never you know it's it's every, a unique every experience is you know new every time you have it yeah um so you know just like with walking if you and i walk out to this office and down the street next to each other you walk will be different from mine right but yes you know that particular expedition taught me a great lesson on uh on the importance of silence and how also silence can be your best friend and also you know it's think it's easy to think about silence as, you know, a way to live an even more egocentric life. To me, uh, silence is the opposite. Silence is about seeing the world in a different perspective. It's about opening up. It's about uh, loving the earth and other humans even more. Silence also, you know, taught me to respect other people to a greater extent. 
It taught me to be more curious about other people. Mm. It's strange how certain ideas just come out of nowhere when you give yourself space for them. Yeah, exactly. You know? So, you know, it's it's just by, you know, you're doing the dishes at home, you get find this inner silence, and suddenly a great ap- idea appear. It does. Yeah. From maybe sometimes it feels like it appears from nowhere. Where is that coming from? Exactly. Where do so you where do you think that's coming from? You know, it's already there. Yeah, okay. You're just giving yourself space yeah. for it to yeah. kind of so, like the Michelangelo carving. Have you heard that? You know, he said no. that David was already in the marble block. He just had to take away the extra uh, exactly. to reveal yeah, it. Exactly. That's exactly. Yeah. I didn't hear you know exactly. That that's how it is. So I think you know it's at least that's a way to look at it. It's like, you know, you're not you know, all the ideas that are coming to you are already there waiting for you. You said in your TED Talk, uh, quote, I believe in making life more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. And I'm just wondering why. It's, some of it sounds conflicting with some of what we're talking about in a way, but I think you meant it in a different way. So I'm just curious if you could talk about that statement. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, you know, it's somehow you have to make your life more difficult than necessary. <laughs> Get out of your comfort zone in, in that yeah, way. Yeah, but of course, you know, if I if I was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo, I would probably think differently about it because, you know, then, you know, the daily challenges are kind of, would be probably right. be too You're overwhelming. Coming at it from a Western yeah, perspective. Exactly. Yeah. But it's uh, also because, you know, I'm born in Norway, which is a very privileged so- society. And, uh, and um, if you only, you know, choose the most easiest option every day uh, I think you will live a very dull life and of course you will also live an unfree life because it kind of predestined what you're going to do throughout the day so as a Norwegian I think you know it's you wake up in the morning and uh, throughout the day uh, you should make life you know slightly more difficult choices than you have to do uh, not all the time of course but you know you get up have breakfast, are you going to walk to the office or are you going to take a car to the office? So you walk to the office, slightly more difficult. <laughs> and that's how it goes throughout the day yeah. and you will have a richer life. And again, as I said earlier on, you know, your life will feel so much longer. So today I'm 57 years old, so, you know, I go to 60th, 70th, 80th birthdays and people keep on talking about life being short. Uh, all these days, weeks and years, they didn't really understand that was life. And that's a bit sad because, you know, they had this one huge, rich opportunity to live a great life. And then they kind of partly wasted it. What are some things you're doing now to make to make life more difficult? I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a sense that to move uh, by yourself instead of, you know, of course, I drive sometimes, you know, take an airplane, but, you know, try to move uh, physically as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, sp- try to spend time in nature. Uh, when I read a book, I tr- you know, I try to read a kind of a difficult book, p- book that kind of challenging f- for me to get. I try to cook food instead of, you know, pre-order, you know, take takeaway food. Right. Sometimes, you know, I probably should do it more often. Listening to music, I find difficult to um, grasp. I'm trying to work hard, uh, you know, uh, not mainly because I would like to have the money, but because, you know, it's, I find great satisfaction in being a publisher yeah. to, 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 to publish great books and try to sell as many of them as possible afterwards. 
So, you know, it's all this is about making life a little bit more difficult than it has to be. Yeah, being an entrepreneur is difficult. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> also, times. you know, you walk to the South Pole. Should you do it together with other people? Should you do it with dogs? Should you talk on the radio every evening or telephone every evening? No, you know, you do it by yourself and not having any communication. And, you know, in one way, that's more difficult. How to add, it's more difficult, you know, to walk alone to the South Pole without talking to anyone. Yeah. But on the other hand, I have to say, um, every other soul expedition I hear about, I'm sure it's some exceptions, but in general, uh, the person will have a satellite phone uh, with him or her, and they will call back home every evening. Yeah. And you will talk to your wife or your husband or boy or, or girlfriend, and hopefully, you know, they will say, I love you, and you will say, I love you too. And this will go, be going on days after days, weeks after weeks. And eventually, your partner back home will say, um, the washing machine broke down today. And you know, then you might as well just go home. Because <laughs> all you want on expedition, at least, is to get away from civilization. Yeah. You would like to live a different life. You would like to follow your own path. You would like to focusing on putting one leg in front of the other. You would like to be a part of the nature. And then, you know, if you're going to talk to your partner, you know, it's a nice idea, but, you know, not for me. Yeah. So in that sense, to make a more difficult choice was also for me a more enriching, a better choice. Mm. Part of the book's title is In the Age of Noise. So I have to ask you about your advice or maybe what you do to find some silence in this crazy, <laughs> loud, ever distracting world that we live in. You know, practically speaking, is are there things that you do uh, to give yourself that inner space? Yes, you know, it's. I, I think most people in the world underestimate themselves and the possibilities they have in life. Obviously, some are overestimating themselves, but I met thousands of people around the earth, and that's my conclusion. Yeah. And they also underestimate themselves in terms of finding inner silence because, you know, you can't wait for silence to come to you. So somehow you need to invent your own silence and you need to search for the silence within yourself. When you live in a city like we do, you know, it's always some noise. Yeah. So you have to search for your own inner silence, which is a silence which is there all the time waiting for you. And, um, you know, on a daily basis when I'm busy with work, uh, family, I find it when I wake up in the morning, I find it when I'm doing taking a shower, uh, sometimes when I cook uh, porridge for, uh, I eat kind of the same breakfast every day as I do on expeditions, I oat porridge, and then as I said, if I walk to the office, even if on the metro I can find some inner silence, yeah. uh, when I get into this office building I try to walk the stairs, to find some, you know, inner silence and to move. And if I'm a bit stressed sometimes, you know, I try to walk backwards up the stairs. Oh, obviously yeah. when people don't see me because then at least I can totally focus on what I'm doing, not mm. thinking about, you know, when you think you think about the past or you think about the future. Uh, and it's nice sometimes not to think, to find this inner silence, just to experience. Yeah, hard and thing to do, not to think. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of if you walk backwards up the stairs, you have to have a total focus on not falling over. Yeah. And then at least you're present in the moment. Um, and then, you know, throughout the whole day, 
And of course, if you have some great sex, you find some inner silence, and then you find silence again when you cook dinner. And if you do the dishes, you find some inner silence. Maybe you do a little walk, or you read a book, you find some inner silence. And then again, you go to bed, you find some inner silence. So, you know, it's not that complicated. It's not too far away. But of course, you know, it's for you had two small kids. It's more difficult <laughs> than it is for me. But, you know, it's not impossible. Coming over here, I did, did that exactly that in the Metro. I was pretty inspired by the the John Gage, Cage, was it Cage or Gage example? Cage, Cage yeah, he's a composer who um, did a, a four minute and 33 second piece, which was just silence. And I was reading about him on Wikipedia after getting introduced to that piece through your book. And one of the things he said was that, you know, he believed that that was one of his most important works and that um, everything is is music right so I, I loved that this was a piece of music that he yeah. said on the subway over here on the Tebana. i was thinking okay i'm just i'm just gonna find some inner silence on on the way over to meet eiling and i'm also going to listen to the music that's going on around me <laughs> which was in that case a lot of kids from barnahaga yeah. on tour and <laughs> it's a great piece i mean it's it's uh, if anyone is curious about it just look at john cage yeah for 33 at youtube and see how the whole concert is going on. Yeah. Uh, stage, full orchestra, nobody's playing. And then you have all this, you know, small, you know, different sounds, noise among the audience. Yeah. For four minutes and 33 seconds. It's a great piece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you said in the book that silence is the new luxury. And I agree. You know, like you said, we can find ways to, to discover it within ourselves, but to find quiet places, uh, you know, out in nature, certainly a possibility, but. Um, it's becoming harder and harder, I think, with the smartphones and all of the distractions. And there's a level of intimacy in silence that's easy to avoid, right? Like if you sit in silence with somebody and just make eye contact for yeah. five minutes, it, it can feel like a long stretch of time. Yeah, it's uh, it's this, I'm writing about the book, this actually a scientific experiment about falling in love. Uh, which I think ex exemplifies it in a great way. If you look into, you go on a date, and you ask some questions about the other person. Of yeah. course, everybody likes to speak about themselves. And you kind of understanding, and, this, and the same person asks you kind of the same questions, and you got to talk about yourself, get to know each other a little bit. And then you have to look into the other person's eyes for five minutes. Yeah in silence and then the likelihood of you falling in love with the other person is increasing dramatically mm. so you know i actually tried it and it's i think it's true yeah i've done that in a workshop they called it authentic relating which is okay. you just uh there was people in a circle and they were facing out and then a bigger circle or uh, i guess the same amount of people on the outside circle facing in and one part of the circle would move and you would just spend two two or three minutes looking into somebody's eyes, yeah. not speaking, then the next person, then the next person. And it was really interesting to see. Ah, I haven't heard about this. Yeah, how much you could learn from somebody. You could learn from their maybe their spirit or their soul or, or who they were beneath the, the everyday stuff just by spending three minutes yeah, yeah, looking into their eyes. You know, it's it's. It, I love birds, but you know, we we just exaggerate kind of you know how far birds can get us. Yeah, you know, it's so many interesting things that are you know unsaid, 
and are not, you know, supposed to be expressed by words. That's also why, you know, in a relationship, if you have a partner, yeah, at least my experience is that if I need to explain everything to my girlfriend, you know, it's unbearable. <laughs> You're like, some, just look into my eyes for five yeah, minutes. <laughs> yeah, but somehow, you know, it's, I think, you know, some of the greatest things in life are, you know, beyond words. Yeah. Can't put word. I mean, words only do the job so so much yeah, right you know, we, you for, say, we forget that i yeah, think of course you can say i love you you're beautiful blah 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 all the yeah. usual stuff but somehow you know you end up only quoting barbara cartland with all those words so <laughs> 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 so you need to kind of express it in your own way yes. yeah mm. uh was it challenging for you i'm just going to switch gears a little bit to the publishing business that you run kaga forlog i hope i'm pronouncing that mm. correctly which is uh one of the m more successful publishing companies here in Norway. Was it hard to go from kind of the expeditions and the traveling and the adventuring and, and things like that to running a business, becoming a businessman, essentially? Uh, I wouldn't say it was hard. Uh, I was kind of very open for it. Um, you know, I didn't give up doing outdoors. I just kind of took a long break uh, from expeditions. Yeah. And, you know, you need variety in life. Yeah. And as I said, you should fulfill your own potential. So I just felt for doing something else. I had to because my girlfriend got pregnant and I needed an income. And I also needed, you know, a different life and want to buy a home for my family. Um, and I want an interesting job. So I started this publishing company. And uh, I really liked the, you know, combination of intellectual challenges throughout the day with trying to have a commercial mind so you're able to pay your offers your employees and uh, and yourself yeah would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day i've tried it all i've done the pour over i've done the french press but i tasted an aeropress coffee many years ago and immediately i was sold i had to get one aeropress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks so they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. What has uh, entrepreneurship taught you about yourself? 
uh, you know, it's to me, it's kind of, you know, same principles as organizing an expedition. It very much comes down to uh, preparations. I kind of didn't doubt that I had, you know, kind of the intellectual or commercial mind necessary to make a publishing company, uh, create it. But, you know, it's, but, you know, you learn something every day and you definitely learn something about your own limitations and which i think is very healthy and but you also learn about other people you learn about ideas you learn about literature eventually you learn a lot about yourself because obviously as i says in tennyson's uh, ulysses we are a part of all that we have met publishing is great because um every day is new what are some of the books that have influenced you and the most in your life you know if you have a pet you have a favorite pet i had a cat for many years unfortunately she got sick mm. and it's not with us anymore uh but that was my favorite animal uh by far still is but you know i don't have the same loyalty to literature uh yeah. changes quite frequently but the two first books i remember i read was one biography on albert schweitzer who was uh he's forgotten today but he was uh medical doctor and uh, he was playing the organ he was playing Bach uh, in Germany but then he gave up that career and went to uh, Africa to you know work as a doctor and make the life make the world a much better place to be he wanted to change the world um, even a mouse can eat an elephant if you take small portions so he really made an effort by changing his life to do good and help as many people as possible and he also had some kind of basic philosophy about, you know, respect for life, deep respect for life, about loving life, which, you know, I read when I was like 10 years old. I was very dyslectic, so it took me a long time to learn how to read. And then I read Papillon. You remember Papillon? Uh, about this uh, French prisoners escaping prison, like they sent them to Devil's Island on um the northeast coast of South um, America. He was uh, convicted for murder. Uh, French guy. He was sent there, and this book is about his escapes from the prison. Papillon, mm. fantastic book. And uh, it's you know it's, it's presented as a non-fiction book. He probably meant a few you know details himself, but it's uh, it's a great book. Yeah. And of course, I, I heavily identified with uh, Papillon. You know, the b- butterfly in French was his nickname. About you know how he tried to and eventually succeeded by escaping from prison hmm. i love that we're surrounded by books right now it yeah, makes me feel I think, good you know, it's, it's this, whole, this whole idea that you know we should have libraries without physical books because you had everything online streaming literature read it on your book on your device blah 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 you know of course it can work sometimes but you know the beauty of books and the physicality of bu- books the the, the design of books, you know, the feeling that you kind of go wa- reading through the books. And I also write notes in the books I read. It's beautiful. Yeah. And that's why, you know, older people, but also young people today, you know, they love physical books. And, you know, I like streaming too, but, you know, it's uh, I even like it even more when I can actually read a book. I do love my Kindle for traveling, I must yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. But, but you see, the market for Kindle is, you know, it's not growing anymore. No. But uh, streaming is growing, and it's going to keep on growing. And maybe somehow, you know, a new device is invented, and, you know, 
even more people you know do books online which as a publisher is great because of course you would like to dis- have a great distribution but you know I think you know in 100 years time people still read books on paper. Oh yeah, I hope so. I mean yeah. there's something about it. It must be satisfying for you to to know, all right, I'm going to publish a book at this thing comes into existence it's a physical object that you can then hold at, at a certain point absolutely and then that can be shared and these ideas are shared yeah. and it's uh it must be satisfying in, yeah. in that way knowing yeah. you're putting more ideas out into the world you're known for all these accomplishments and you know you've been in a lot of interviews and all the things that we've been talking about today uh what are some things or what is something that most people don't know about you Ah, you know, it's, I think... Or are you just an open book, so to speak? I think every human (laughs) has this idea that, you know, the whole world only knows me by 10 or 20% and everything else (laughs) is even more interesting. And uh, I remember I read this interview when I was a kid by a Norwegian pop star and he said, people think they know me. You know, he's a super celebrity in Norway. Yeah. They only know 10% of me. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And of course, that's the thing with everybody, I guess. You know, it's... But I think... In my case, I think, you know, um, what I talk about is the most, in general, most interesting things about myself. It's uh, most of my life is, you know, I would think quite close to many other people's lives. Um, So it's not that interesting to tell. (laughs) But of course, you know, in general, I live a privileged life because, you know, I walk, I have silence. I uh, have an interesting job. Um, I have kids. I have a girlfriend. So I'm a very lucky guy. And I think, you know, the secret, if you are as fortunate as me, is to be aware that you are lucky. Yeah. Because you see all this, you know, fortunate people, privileged people who are complaining all the time. In Norway, people are complaining more than ever. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's, it's just be aware that you are lucky. And uh, I think many people look it, but, uh, you know, don't forget it. Yeah. I think if silence had a best friend, it would probably be gratitude, right? Gratitude is the thing. Isn't I think, that you know, the thing that seeps in ultimately? Yeah, I was actually considering writing an essay book on uh, on gratitude because I think that's one of the most underestimated feelings you can have. Mm. Schadenfreude, what you call it in English, Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude, the German, the German, you know, enjoy other people's failures. Okay. That's the most stupid feeling I can you can have. I think we all have it, but that's something you should try to avoid. Uh, while gratitude, I think it's you know one of the most beautiful feelings and meaningful you know feelings you can have. Yeah, to me, this is something that just if I'm taking a long walk, it's just the thing that inevitably kind of comes into into silence. It is a beautiful thing. Let's talk about writing really quick. You've mm-hmm. written many books. How do you like the writing process? What do you what do you like about it? Um, I like it because it's difficult. Uh, <laughs> you like difficult things. That's true. Yeah. And uh, to write well is super difficult. And I also like it because when I write a book like Walking in Silence, Silence, I feel that that I have something really important to say. Yeah. And I'm not say, thinking I'm writing, you know, something totally new, but I put things into a different perspective because I use my own experiences. Mm-hmm. That makes it great to write. Yeah. And then again, you know, it's really tiring to write. It's very time-consuming. And all of my books, 
uh, also my next book, Philosophy for Polar Explorers. They all, you know, they're thin books, but you know, I spent a year and a half or something to write those few words. Yeah, it's so time intensive. There's nothing worse than when you sit down to the blank screen and you can't really get it going. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's that's me every time I sit yeah, down to write. You don't check your phone on, you know, etc. Right. You're gone. You're done. <laughs> you're done. What is something that you're scared of? Or- uh, on a daily basis, uh, nothing. Yeah. Now we sit in silence. <laughs> <laughs> it was you one know, of the- uh, to be scared is one thing. You know, it's I'm always worried about things. I said, you know, I was worried about my daughter's well-being. I'm always worried about my business because I have a huge responsibility for employees, uh, authors, yeah. everybody relates Keeping to the company. Yep. I'm always worried when I'm, you know, when I'm dealing with my, you know, art collection. I collect contemporary art. I'm always worried about, you know, something. But it's, but to be scared, like you know, that's not a great feeling because that kind of makes you irrational. Uh, you don't think that clearly. Uh, so I think, you know, of course you can be scared about things, but it's not a great thing to be yeah. scared, I think. Maybe different than worrying, like you I said. I think war is kind of, you know, you should be worried. Yeah. There's many things to keeps be worried on, about. Keeps, I mean, keeps you on the edge, right? <laughs> wor- I feel, you know, it's on a bigger base, you know, scale I'm worried about how nuclear bombs are having a revival in the world. I think that's super worrying. To right. me, it's even, you know, you worried about climate change for sure. Uh, but to me, it's, you know, this whole idea that you had short-range nuclear bombs, you know, that the industry is growing. But, you know, it's hard to have more than one great worry in your head at a time. There's many things to worry about, right? Exactly. All so, the time. so to me, I think, you know, this whole, you know, what's happening now from a Norwegian perspective, it's start of the Russia, you know, starting again to develop and uh, start to, you know, prepare short-range nuclear missiles. That's very boring. Yeah. Before I let you go, just a couple more things. Um, what attracted you to collecting art? I mean, there's a lot of things you can collect, right? You can collect record yeah. albums, you can collect... Yeah, uh, but, you know, it's, again, it's difficult. It's I collect cutting-edge contemporary art, which is super difficult because... Art historians haven't really agreed if it's great art or not, or if the artist is great. And uh, I really like that, to go, you know, search into the kind of most unexplored end of the art world. You know, the art that was made yesterday or last month. Mm. How do you know when it's time to move on from something, whether it's like a book's finished, like you were going to transition your life to owning a business or... Uh, maybe it's something that you've worked on for a while and now you're giving it up. How do you know when it's time to... You know, you don't really know. I think as an explorer, you know, I learned the hard way. Nobody knows uh, anything for sure. And it's, it's again about, you know, it can be rational about it, but it's more like about as, you know, with feelings. As I said earlier Intuition, on. you mean? Or intuition, yeah. but, you know, intuition based upon, you know, some knowledge and experiences. But it's... Um, but um, in, on those matters, you know, I try to avoid to think too much. Yeah. I say again because you know, thinking is quite often overrated. Not all the time, of course, but you know, I 
I'm more into experiencing, kind of feeling uh, what's going on. And quite often I'm not making a great decision. I just kind of slowly move move on and try to follow my own path, you know. Svamarga, as it's in Sanskrit, you know, you should follow your own path. I love those words that encapsulate like a whole sentence or idea. Yeah. You know, it's like one yeah. word and it exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just and means that's a, a whole bunch of stuff. And Sanskrit, you know, it's I only know a few words, but my old friend Arne Ness, the philosopher, who has been very, very important in my life, and also using my books because I had this idea I should, you know, try to have a little renaissance for the philosopher Arne Ness because he was really one of the great philosophers, I think, you know, in his time. And uh, he used a lot of Sanskrit yeah. to express his ideas more like universal ideas. And he also t- tried to, you know, make me learn some Sanskrit so we could have a dialogue in Sanskrit. But um, talking about making life difficult <laughs> was too <laughs> difficult for me. <laughs> Do you have a, a favorite word like that that's just represents a whole idea or something? Uh, you know, not a favorite, you know, but kind of a word, as I remember, you no, know, like gata uh, in Sanskrit. Uh, gata, you know, it's means walking in Sanskrit. Yeah. Go, which is a very similar word in Norwegian, uh, means walking too. In Sanskrit, it not, not only means walking, but it also means getting to know, getting to understand. Yeah. So, you know, that again is reflecting the language. If we're going to explore the world, you need to move physically. You need yeah. to kind of really feel what you are exploring. Mm. Of course, you could do it on a, on a computer too, but traditionally for the last 300,000 years, exploration has been about moving, doing things physically. I love that. You know, my, my favorite word like that in Norwegian that's totally non-philosophical on the practical side, Paul-egg. Because it's just like yeah, anything you can put, <laughs> anything you can put on top of a bread. Like, yeah, yeah. this is Paul egg. I'm yeah, just exactly. gonna throw this on top yeah, of this yeah. bread. This is fantastic. And all this Paul like <laughs> almost, you know, what you put on the bread that yeah. you buy in the supermarket almost tastes the same. I yeah. think. <laughs> if you buy some salami or if you buy strawberry jam, it almost tastes yeah. the same. It's just anything on the yeah. table can yeah. be Paul egg. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, throw yeah, it on yeah. some bread. That's yeah. that, that's. Great. I actually have to admit, I'm eating mostly. You know, I make a lot of, you know, I eat, I make my own jam. Yeah, I do. And uh, it's, you know, it's very, very simple and it tastes as beautiful. Yeah. Because all this jam you buy in the store, you know, it's mostly sh- <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> Not a fan. And it, as I said, you know, if it tastes like, you know, it's salami, if it tastes like blueberries, you know, it's, uh, jam it tastes the same. Yeah. It's like, you know, exclusive cognacs. Actually, with my girlfriend yesterday, we had some. We had a glass of whiskey, and I said, "I really like this whiskey because you know it tastes like liquor." Yeah. And uh, quite often now, you you know, it's uh, liquor doesn't taste like liquor anymore. Uh, you know, it's so much. Okay, now I'm talking about something I don't know much. No, about, that's okay. I mean, like uh, flavor, like it'd be like a blueberry, exactly. a blueberry the whiskey thing is, or thing something. Is, thing <laughs> is, like you know, everything is so perfumed, right? And you know, made for you to like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not giving you any resistance. Everything should be sweet and aroma. And, you know, that's not to me. Yeah. Yeah. For whiskey, it took me a while to appreciate, you know, liquor, get, to, you know to get past should, the burn. Whis- and then you're like, wait, wait a minute. Whiskey should also have, you know, t- taste a little bit awful. It should be a rough on you. <laughs> it should not to be too smooth. That's scotch yeah. for me. I, I prefer bourbon. 
uh, Scotch is a little yeah, yeah exactly to bourbon. You know, Yankees like bourbon. Yeah, yeah we do. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. Well, you go to America quite often, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not to drink bourbon. Now, is that for um, is that for work? You go. Yeah, but I'm I'm not separating work and. Um, all this stuff to me it's no. lifestyle so if i go to the states yeah you know i talk about my books i meet some publishers I'm my own pu- publisher for sure if it's new york i do some outdoors at least some hiking some exploration i meet hopefully some interesting people eat some great f- food drink some interesting stuff yeah do you have some spots around the world that you feel at home in when you go in, in the same way that almost that you you, you feel know they say you know i think Daniel Defoe, he wrote that if you have money in your pocket, you are at home anywhere. And it's a good attitude, I think. You don't even need money in your pocket if you're, you know, out in nature. But in the city, it's sure nice to have. But then I think, you know, you can be at home anywhere. It's an attitude thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Last question. What would be your advice to somebody who's listening to this and maybe they're, you know, thinking about traveling or getting out there and exploring or maybe even doing um, some kind of expedition that may be you know, something that's out of their comfort zone, even if it's not, they're the first person to do X, Y, or Z. What kind of uh, advice do you share? You should do it. (laughs) Simple as that. I think it's, uh, as I said, it's so easy to underestimate yourself and the possibilities in your life. And uh, I remember Arne Ness, the philosopher I mentioned, he was asked again and again by people, you know, how should I, you know, do my life how should I prioritize things? You know, what should I do to have a meaningful life? And he said in Norwegian, he said, Stopo, which in English kind of translates into, you know, get to act together and mm-hmm. try to do some of the stuff you're dreaming about doing. Yeah. And I'm going to throw out a challenge to everybody listening to uh, spend some time in silence today. Maybe something like if you usually take your phone out while while you're on your commute or something like don't take it out maybe something like that or or spend a few minutes staring into your partner's eyes yeah it's it's really strange how five minutes can do a big difference yeah so the book again is silence in the age of noise and do you have a like a website or anything you want people that you want to share or just uh, (laughs) find it where books are i'm not big on web you know it's uh i'm not anti-technology but i'm Mm -hmm. not big on it so it's uh i think you know Everything I can say that makes sense, you will find in my books. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, when I'm in person, I usually like to high-five it out, if you don't <laughs> mind. Yeah. <laughs> that was so fun. Thanks uh, Thanks again. Super duper. <laughs> Go to it. <laughs> there you have it. Thank you so much to Arling for letting me stop by his headquarters. The publishing company's HQ sit in that incredible room full of books. By the way, if you want to see a picture of us together, you can always go on ZeroToTravel.com. You can find all the shows there, the archives and other juicy travel information for you. If you haven't signed up yet over at ZeroToTravel.com, sign up for the email list. we got some exciting workshops coming up, online gatherings, different things that you will not hear about if you're just listening to the podcast that you have to be on the email list for. So I love to keep in touch with the community there. And thank you for being a part of this listening community, my friend. It's always an honor that people download this podcast and listen to it. And 
still blows me away to this day. And this is a community-powered show, 10,000%. I'm here for you. So if you ever have any suggestions, you want to share any advice or guest recommendations, or you just want to share your story, you can always drop me a line. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com is my email address. I'm going to give a shout-out to somebody in the community before I let you go. This is a kind review I got from Marina, the trader chick, she calls herself in air quotes. She said, I love how they don't just take one segment of travel and run with it. There's a little bit of something for people interested in different things like quick vacations, long-term travel, becoming an expat, etc. It's super entertaining to hear what they have to say and to compare it to previous experiences. So thank you. And Clarissa Gomez, who said, awesome podcast. Uh, Jason hosted the Zero Travel Podcast, highlights all aspects of travel, nomad life, and more in this can't-miss podcast. Thank you. Hosts and guests offer insightful advice and information that's helpful to anyone that listens. So uh, uh, there was another one before that said, weekly travel fix. That was a nice headline. So, hey, I might be hinting at a little something here. If you like this podcast and you haven't left me a review yet, I, you know, every once in a while it's nice to ask for one of those. I'm not, I'm not pushing it on you. I'm not saying you have to do it, but... When I go to record this thing and I'm, I'm kind of going through the feed and, and doing podcast work, it sure is nice to get those reviews from the community or uh, any emails as well. If you have the time and inclination and you enjoyed the show, go ahead and do that. You'll be making my day. <laughs> and I hope this show today made your day or made a part of your day that much better. What a pleasure uh, to bring you this conversation. I had so much fun and uh, continuing to just feel so much gratitude. And today I'm going to take a little walk in silence. I hope you do the same. Now, I am going to leave you with a quote from Arling, our guest today. It's about silence, of course. He said, I believe it's possible for everyone to discover this silence within themselves. It is there all the time, even when we are surrounded by constant noise. Deep down in the ocean, below the waves and ripples, you can find your internal silence. Standing in the shower, letting the water wash over your head, sitting in front of a crackling fire, swimming across a forest lake, or taking a walk over a field. All these can be experiences of perfect stillness, too. I love that. I also love that quote. <laughs> so I'll leave you with that. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy some silence. And I will see you next time. Cheers, my friend. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 